Welcome back to the Aesthetics of Leadership podcast, where we discuss the nature and appreciation of transformations. Today, world influencer and absolute warrior, Jason Nemes. Well, Jason, we met at a John Maxwell event a few months back. And do you remember sitting at the breakfast table um, saying hello and introductions? And I said, so Jason, what's your claim to fame? And did, didn't really know your background at all. We were the only two people at the table. And you said, well, I died. And, and from there, I was floored by, by the story that you told. And I knew I wanted to have you on the show to, to, to not only talk about that, but man, there's a whole depth to you that I became aware of after that meeting um, that, that really intrigued me on the level of leadership that you live in this world and the behaviors that support that. So man, thanks for, for agreeing to have a conversation about all that. Yeah, of course. I appreciate uh, being here, man. Thank you. And I do remember, I remember the breakfast meeting. I don't remember all of the details. I do remember the very beginning of it, but yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not very often I I meet somebody who tells me they, they died and they're still able to have a conversation with me. So, so Jason, you died. What? Uh, Take, take us there if you can briefly and, and help us understand how, how you are, who you are today because of that episode. Yeah, so are you wanting me to walk you through the day or just kind of post uh, what happened in the shift and mindset that took place? Yeah, I, I'm really curious about both, Jason, if I can yeah, be selfish cool. and, and ask for both. Yeah. No, that that's usually the answer. Um, yeah, so it was a normal Sunday. Well, I mean, it was Easter of all days, but it was a you know like just a normal Sunday. Uh I guess it's not normal if it's Easter, but it was your Sunday uh, morning and my girlfriend and I, we wake up and we decide to go hit a leg workout at a gym 30 minutes or so away because I had a couple of buddies that wanted me to put them through a workout. So we went to that gym. It was a lifetime fitness on the north side of Austin and uh, we're living downtown. So we go to that, to that gym, hit the leg workout. And one of the guys is a pretty good basketball player. And I played basketball growing up. I got a pretty good shot still. And so I had beat him uh, in around the world. And he didn't like that the, the last time that we had played. So he wanted a redemption match. And I was like, cool, let's go play. And I had no intention of playing like basketball, basketball, like a game. It was just a shoot around. That's what was supposed to take place. Cause I was also around 245 pounds then. And I'm about 208 to 210 ish now, just to kind of put that in perspective. I wasn't doing cardio. I was putting weight on to then cut for the summertime and cardio. So cardio wasn't a part of my regimen and I was just eating a lot of food. So not in shape, really not in shape to play basketball on that level. So we get down there and of course there's the, there's these three guys that are talking a little smack about three on three. So I said yes to playing because they, you know, they needed me. It was them two and then me. So uh, I said yes to playing. We played three games of half court, but still, I mean, when I play, I play. So a lot of running around. And um, so my girlfriend and I, we go to leave the lifetime. And I notice at that time, because like while I'm playing, I'm having a hard time breathing, but I'm not thinking anything of it. 
right? So now we're leaving and I'm still, there's still issues with my breathing. And it had been, you know, 10, 15, 20 ish, 20 -ish minutes uh, since I had played. So normally you calm down by then and you're not still having trouble breathing, you know, but then like a few minutes, your body catches up and you're good to go. Uh, at least that's how it is for me. But now we're 10, 15 minutes and still having some troubles breathing. And I'm starting to get a headache. Uh, left side of my arm, le le left side of my body, my left arm is starting to go numb. And I'm getting some pains. And not normal, but I'm just hoping it goes away. And so get into the car, start driving. It, all the symptoms are getting worse. So I pull over to a gas station, get some ibuprofen, take it from, because my headache was horrible. And... Um, so I have a pinched nerve in my neck. So a lot of times my arm will go numb just throughout the day. And so like I'm driving and I'm trying to adjust my position because like maybe that's why my arm is going numb because it's pinching on the nerve, which is causing the numbness. Uh, so nothing was working with the adjusting. It was going more and more numb. And I just looked at my girlfriend and I was like, yo, something is not right. I want to go to an ER clinic. And she was like, does it feel like the first time when you had a heart attack? And at first I was like, no. And then after thinking about it for a very short time, I said, actually it does. And so I ended up pulling up a, a list of ER clinics, like eat, you know, the care, care clinic, whatever, care now, uh, those kinds of places, uh, urgent care, that's what they are, the urgent clinics. And so I found one five minutes away and keep in mind there's Easter. So because it was Easter, there's no traffic. So it's the way the story and like everything aligned was literally perfect, which is a part of what really woke me up. So I get to the ER clinic in five minutes. I get in there. They're like, sir, how can we help you? And I said, man, I think I'm having a heart attack. And he asked me for ID. <laughs> of all things he could do. And I just told him that, right? So I, I and I look, I, I'm checking for my wallet. I left my wallet in the car. So I had to run back out there. My girlfriend's still in the car. I run back out there because she was supposed to leave to go check on the dogs. So I come back out. She's still there. Get my wallet, come back in, give him my ID. At least he had the uh, decency to let me fill out paperwork later. That was really nice of him. So they get me to the back of the room, uh, to the back of the clinic in one of the, the rooms, and they hook me up to an EKG. And the doctor, I'll never forget when he he read he reads the reading and looks at me and says, Sir, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you're suffering a severe heart attack right now. And in my mind, it was my second heart attack. And the first one was mild. I didn't even know I was having a heart attack. The difference then was that the heart attack was about 45 to 60 seconds long. It's crazy what the body will do to keep itself alive. The reason it was so short was because my heart actually grew itself from the good side to the bad side to get blood flow over there to keep me from going into heart failure and potentially dying. And so I... In my mind, I'm like, look, I've already had a heart attack. Doctors like to exaggerate things from time to time. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm telling myself. So, and I'm big on mindset and what we're telling ourselves, you know, and the faith versus fear. So in my mind, I'm like, it's just another heart attack. I'll be out of here in 30, 45 minutes. And when I tell you, they probably had every single person that works at that clinic in my room. Uh, there were a lot of people and they're giving me stuff to chew, giving me stuff to swallow. 
and I'm communicating with them how I'm feeling. Okay, like the pain's gone. Okay, the pain is back. Okay, I'm not feeling good. I'm really dizzy. Okay, I'm feeling better. Back and forth. And then it got to a point where my breathing was really starting like to not be possible. Uh, I was starting to fade out. And I just remember saying, y'all got to do something. Please help me. And that's, I asked God to help me. I asked, you know, God, please help me. And that's when, uh, that is when I died on the table. And after I, I spoke with Debbie, who was the nurse two weeks later, I went and saw her at the ER clinic, which was a very emotional moment with my mom and my girlfriend. But uh, she told me I was, I had died for about 40 seconds and she was praying to the Lord the entire time. So she, they defibbed me and she gave me CPR. So I had a hundred percent blockage at my widow maker, which for those that don't know uh, the widow maker, they call it the widow maker because if somebody has a heart attack, there's somebody's about to be a widow. So it's the left side of the heart, which cannot defib itself. The right side can. So if you do not get to a defibrillator, you die. And it is the part of the heart that funnels the entire body of blood flow and oxygen. So my heart attack was for over two hours. So I had no blood or oxygen flow through my entire body for the over two hours. And so I remember them waking me up and that was crazy too, because when I woke up, I wasn't like awake yet. I just heard them saying my name. I just heard Jason, Jason. So that means, you know, now looking back, they got the pulse back. After like the CPR worked and my heart started beating again and I had a pulse. So that's why they're like, Jason, Jason. And so I hear them. Now I, I open my eyes and I look and the doctor's like, welcome back. She just saved your life. And that was Debbie. And I, I was like dumbfounded. So I look over and I'm like, you just saved my life. And she's like, you know, yes, sir. And I was like, oh, I, I'm like, you just, what? Like you just saved my life. You know, th thank you so much. Like I didn't even really know what to say, but thank you. And I was obviously emotional in that moment. And what's cool about Debbie is she is normally not at that clinic. So she only works there a couple times a month usually. And she's normally in the ER part of the hospital specializing in heart attacks. So remember I was talking about alignment. It's like, yo, it's just literally one thing after another, right? And um, and, and what's, man, I was, I was a little worried. I, I will admit, uh, which I snapped out of it, but... I was able to, at first, I could only move my head. I couldn't move my upper body or lower body. And then I was able to move my upper body, but I couldn't move my lower body for over a minute. And I'm like freaking out a little bit. They're like, sir, you please calm down, yada, yada. And I'm, I was freaking out. Uh, and then I was able to move my lower body. Uh, but they put, like, the paramedics were there ready to go. They put me on the stretcher right when they woke me up. And uh, they rushed me to the hospital where I had surgery. And the surgery lasted about 15 seconds, was successful. And then I was in ICU for a few days. That's another thing. You know, we're talking about the story like alignment, and so many signs, uh, which also really took my faith to a different level. Uh, but I was, you know, died on Easter. I was in ICU for three days. On the third day, they transferred me to a regular room where I was just sitting there awaiting for somebody to come in where they test my heart like to see the pump function and everything with my heart, right? So finally, it was on the third day that I, I'm in a different room. And so somebody comes in there, they do all the all the, re, uh, the scans of my heart and everything. And the reports came back, pump function normal and no damage to my heart. Like nothing happened. I walked out of the hospital that day.
on the third day. Like look like nothing on happened. The third day. On the wow. third day. Yeah. It, yeah, man. It was like uh it's just unbelievable. And I, I had a lot of reflection when I was in ICU. I mean, I, I wasn't I, I didn't do anything for a couple of days except reflect. Well, I mean, I was on my phone, people tons of people were messaging me. And, but there were a lot of times that I took to myself and really analyzed and thought about certain things in my life, things that weren't a part of my life anymore, but that caught up to me and just how powerful it is, the choices that we make on a day-to-day basis and how we choose to live our lives. I had a lot of very good things come come about. And I'll tell you, God waking me up truly woke me up. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And and I know you tell this story in in, in your book, The Code code of behavior right yeah. was yeah. was this book after after that event because you yes. just published that book not too long ago right so was the book I already probably, written the the book came out a year after the day that i died the one year okay. anniversary this year april 4th 2022 is when my book came out incredible so oh. i remember that book book launch and that's kind of when i became familiar with exactly who you were, because the man that I saw at an international Maxwell certification was, um, there's no other way to say it, you personified a spirit of leadership, and you, you, I knew there was a story behind that, and that day at breakfast, you telling that, and then having you come out with a book talking about the code of behavior and how we live our life by a code that we choose is is one that will either make us or break us. And through this experience, um, you live by a different code right now. Is that fair to say? Yeah, 100%. So, and, and it's funny because I thought, well, first of all, I never really thought of it as a code of behavior. That's something that came to fruition after the fact. Like, man, we are all living by a code. Every team, every organization, uh, every religion, cl- even teachers in a classroom, friends group, we all have a code of behavior. And e- even with self, we have a code of behavior. You know, it's like your standards. How do you live your life? And I thought now my code of behavior had shifted. I still, I wasn't doing drugs like I was before, right? Like I wasn't partaking in that. That was still a part of my past. But I feel like we get, we do get caught up in a comparison a lot of times where we think we're doing more than we are because my my 10% me operating at my like a 10% of what I'm capable of will be better than somebody's 90%. So we think like we're doing great. But then deep down inside, we know we can do more and we'll get down on ourselves about it. But still, we get praised by society and we think we're on a certain level. But it's like, man, we know we got more. But there's just a disconnect with really living out your, your best life, right? And after that event, I was like, man, God has a bigger purpose for me than I ever, I've ever imagined. And uh, I live my life way different now. I, I live my life by a completely different code. I do things that make me uncomfortable every single day. Uh, I've got a lot of really, really cool things coming. I do have a course, a coded behavior course, and it has a workbook with it. It just got, everything is finalized uh, as of this morning. 
So I got some great things coming and uh, webinars, one-on-one code, just a lot of cool stuff that is on the way that I'm excited about. But I'll tell you what, I also, uh, family is a lot more important to me now. You know, I, I lost my little brother. He was, my little brother was 28 years old, uh, December 26, 2019, the day after Christmas. Um, he did some things and went to sleep and never woke up again. So, man, I just... I, and, and I have a health and wellness business that is very successful. And I'm just like, man, there's so many more people that need help uh, outside of, of that realm as well. And I'm just like, man, again, God woke me up and I just want to change the world. And uh, uh, I, I love it, dude. I, yeah, I, man, and that's exactly how you showed up to that Maxwell event. Like somebody who wanted another tool to go out there to use to change the world. And I, I know you've done that through Herbalife quite a bit. I mean, heck, I, I, I sent you that picture of the Herbalife building when I was in Los yeah, Angeles yeah. just recently. And you said, my name's inside that building on the wall. So yeah. there are thousands of people you've influenced through through your story and your, your code. Um, where do you want to take that? I Man, mean, that's a scale. I the scale is across the world. I, I'm getting linked up with some pretty high level people. Um, I'm just increasing network daily. I'm starting to put out a lot more content. I'll tell you, it's funny. Cause like I was for whatever reason, I was in my head about putting out certain kinds of content and I still need to get over the going live. Like I need to get over going live and just do that. But now I'm like, I have a content creator. I'm creating reels, putting that kind of information out there, you know, coming up with a topic, talking about it and just putting out a lot of great content. But, and, and then when I, I do it and now I get a ton of messages like, yo, that was incredible. We're talking like high level people that I'm getting messaging from. And it's like, wow. And then you think, I've been holding myself back for so long. And then how many other people are doing that? And I get to show up and help them get out of their shell and go live their best life. I mean, that's, I, I, I'm a firm believer that we are all, um, that we all have a lot, like certain gifts. We all have a, a, a some, some skill sets and greatness within us. Just very few of us choose to tap into that greatness. And a lot, yeah, I've, a lot I've, of people, I've got a ton of questions around that. Yeah. And I'll tell you, so, a lot of people just need somebody to believe in them and tell them, yes, you can, because it's such a negative world out there. Yeah, I, I, I've there was a quote in your book that that struck me. Um, and I think the quote read something to the effect of successful people do what is goal achieving, not stress relieving. It Until seems like habits become stress relieving habits. Yeah, it seems like in today's world, we're trying to escape that which which has the potential to grow us. We're, we're choosing comfort over disrupting comfort. So can you go there a little bit and 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 help help the listening audience understand why you're consistently choosing to do things that make you uncomfortable and why that's a better strategy than than the the not stress relieving behaviors. Yeah, so those are kind of two topics blended together. So I'll touch on both. Uh, I do things that are uncomfortable because when you're doing things that are uncomfortable, you're growing, right? It 
if you stay in your comfort zone, like nobody ever achieves anything great in that zone. So you got to go do things that challenge you because that's where growth takes place. Now, as far as that quote goes, successful people do what is uh, goal achieving, not stress relieving until goal achieving habits become stress relieving habits. That goes along with, um, so most people like they're not, People don't do drugs and drink a lot of alcohol because everything is great, right? I always say people go to happy hour because they're not happy. Like you go to happy hour, people are drinking and they're talking about problems, about how their boss pissed them, whatever it is, you know, they're not all, they're not sitting there brainstorming about how they're going to take over the world from what I've seen when I was in the corporate world, right? Uh, and so it's like, okay, why don't you go instead of doing something that's destructive and not aligned with where you want to be in the future, why don't you go work out? Why don't you pick up a book and read? Why do you go for a run or for a walk? Why don't you see who you can help today? That was always one of the biggest things my mentor said when I was struggling. He's like, Jason, go find somebody that you can pour into today because that is what we feel our best. At least that's my belief that we feel our best when we're pouring into other people and helping them get out of whatever they're in. It's like you forget about your problems when you're helping people solve theirs. And then you feel good about that because you're helping another person. Yeah. So that, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, man. Two, two topics blended together. Uh, but I just, those are ways I live my life. I mean, if I'm upset, I'm going to go do something that is aligned with where I want to be versus oh, I love that. drinking, you know, doing things that are destructive to my life, uh, to myself and those around me. Yeah. And, and it's comfortable to default to those destructive behaviors, right? Yeah. It's comfort. You, you get, you get lost in that. You feel a temporary high, a temporary feel good. And then when you come out of that, you're way worse. And that's why you go right back and right back. But I, you know, I loved saying I, I used to get high on drugs. Now I get high on impact. Oh, I love that. Well, you know, you mentioned a quote from your mentor and I forget which mentor this was you mentioned, but um, you commented, if you want uh, you commented that he said this, if you want a better life, you have to work for it. That's it's, it. it's not going to come to you. You have to go create it. And that's yeah. the creative power within all of us. What would you say is the biggest resistance that holds people back from stepping forward with that intention to work? And what I is would, that first obstacle? Well, a lot of, a lot of people, well, it's getting past uh, most people stay in a comfort zone, right? And a lot of people have fear of what people are going to say, or what if I fail? Or what are they going to think of me? You know what I'm saying? Or like, I tried something before, and I got made fun of. So you know, it's just all this stinking thinking in their head. It's all they're off, they're focused on all the things that could go wrong, versus all the things that could go right. And there's the saying, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. And, And I'm a firm believer in it, you know, and it might, it's going to take a little bit. I'm not even going to say it, it might. It, it, it's going to take a little bit of time. And I feel that's another problem with today's society is, I mean, with social media and how fast internet is, everything is so immediate and people think success in their life is going to be the same. But unfortunately, that's just not the case. And some people do get quick success. But the problem with that is 
if your mindset doesn't match your paycheck, your paycheck is going to come right back down and match your mindset because ego and pride, I mean, that is the enemy. That'll, it, it might get you to go certain places initially, but after a while, I, I feel like you'll crumble. And I've been- Yeah, you need a better long-term strategy. That's right. Uh, I, I've been there. I've had to rebuild my business twice and uh, very humbling. Where most people quit, I kept going. Yeah, there's clearly a, a work ethic there. And I loved how you outlined the code that creates success for you. Goals, desire, discipline, confidence, action. Um, was that a pattern that you saw throughout your successes that you went back and reflected on and identified those those five um, behaviors that were consistent with your success? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, for me, with anything that I do, those five are the foundation. Okay. So in writing the book and, and sharing that with the world, where do you want your, your course and your workbook to move people from toward? Because I know everybody's goals are going to be, you know, individualistic. Um, it's going to, everybody has their own circumstances, but do you believe that these, these five core values, these five behaviors are the awesome sauce that you think are universally applicable to anyone's life at any time? 100%. It was so cool is I have a lot of friends in many different fields of profession. And they like, they've used my book and trained on it and had success. So it's not even I think it's I know because it's been applied in a bunch of different uh, fields of work. So yeah, man, I wholeheartedly believe in it. I because I, I know I mean, I did it and other people are doing it like they've been put to the test. So, wow. Wow. Yeah. So Jason, if, if uh, somebody who's listening to this show is stuck, stagnant, not feeling life is worthwhile, what would be your best advice to get them to the very next step of living into that, um, that potential that they, they truly have inside? What's, what's the next best step they can take? Man, I would, for, for, in my opinion, you got to think about what excites you. You know, because like when, when I was on my path with entrepreneurship, uh, it was along the lines in a field like health and fitness and nutrition, something I was always passionate about and I love helping people. So it's like, I got to help people with the field that I've always loved. Now, sometimes the day-to-day -day work that was necessary to build my business. I didn't always enjoy that, but I knew where I was going. Like I had a vision, I had a strong why. I feel like these are all things that are very important, especially the why, because when the why is strong enough, the how will figure itself out, right? If you wake up and you don't have a purpose for your day, it's easy to do nothing. You know, so I woke up, I had a vehicle that could take me where I wanted to go. I had great people, a great circle of influence, people pouring into me. That's another thing. Who are you surrounding yourself with? For me, like, find a find your why, find your mentor, and your mentor might help you with the why. What makes you happy, you know, and put all those together and then just get after it. But, man, we... I don't know where all the listeners are, but I know we're in the United States of America. And I mean, there's really no excuse. 
you can either have results or you can have excuses. And uh, I just chose the path of results. And I promise you, I could have made all the excuses in the world. I had, I had tons of excuses, but that, that, that keeps you stuck. That keeps you going nowhere. And I didn't want that life anymore. So, I mean, when I started my entrepreneurial journey, I was living in my buddy's living room. I had a bed in his living room that my grandma and my great grandma bought me. I didn't even have enough money to buy the bed in the living room. Uh, so, but yeah, I, I got introduced to the company by a friend who was a mentor, still is a mentor, um, very successful individual. So he guided me, gave me actions. I developed a why. What's the, my why in the beginning was to get out of the situation that I was in, right? It's hard to help the poor when you're one of them. So, man, I just, I got to work every single day. I did things that were uncomfortable. All my friends made fun of me. I just put distractions to the side. I stopped listening to people that I wouldn't trade places with. And, uh, man, I just went out and crushed it. This massive action. Yeah, yeah massive clearly action. you're crushing it. You're crushing it in so many areas of life. We could have this conversation go on for for a long time talking about those areas, Jason, but I really want the listeners to be able to find you. How can they get the book? How can they follow you and your trajectory of influence that, that you're creating? And especially um, how can they find the new product launches that are coming that I truly think are going to be life-changing for a lot of people? Yeah. So you can go to thecodeofbehavior.com. You can go to Amazon and type in the code of behavior and purchase the book. There's a hard copy paperback and like the Kindle version. I also have the audio on the iBooks app and Audible, which I narrate, which is dope. Uh, my girlfriend was like, do you realize how cool that is? Because your voice will last forever. And I was like, man, I never thought about that. So you're leaving a legacy having a book. But now it's like, man, my voice is recorded for forever. It's pretty cool. Forever. But yeah, and then on yeah. IG, it's Tatted Prez, T-A-T-T-E-D-P-R-E-Z-Z-Z. -Z -Z, and that's the same for YouTube, which I just got going on. That's the same for TikTok, which I am a lot more active on now. And then I also have my website, jasonlnemis.com. Well, Jason, you are clearly an instigator influencer out there in the world. And I know the, the work that you're doing consistently every day is, is helping to change people's lives, helping empower people to change their own life, right? And I, I'm so thankful that um, I came, you came into my circle with the John Maxwell team or, or the Maxwell leadership team now. And I know we have a few friends in common as well in Texas. And it's just great to hear them speak of how your influence has impacted their life. So I know what you're doing is real, man. And I'm thankful you're out there doing it like a warrior. So man, I appreciate man, uh, fan for life, fan for life. Yeah, for thank sure. you so much, man. Um, and I look forward to, to meeting up in Lincoln again. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know our circles uh, will bring us together again, but man, thank you so much for, for your time this afternoon recording a podcast. Yeah, appreciate thank it. you, Doc. Yes, sir.